Before we really get started, uh, I have a quick announcement to make. Uh, hopefully this show will be going out in time for you to catch our appearance on, oh heck, it's podcast. You can always go back and listen, right? It's not like you have to listen live or anything. But uh, on uh, on the 24th, on March 24th of 2015, uh, we are going to be appearing, at least some small set of us. I know I will be there and maybe some of my co-hosts, uh, Nate maybe, and maybe Laura, probably, we'll see, uh, will be appearing on Show Me Your Mic, which is a podcast about podcasting. Now, if that sounds incredibly boring to you, I'm sorry for wasting your time with this announcement, but if you're interested in how sausages are made and you want to listen to a show about sausage making, um, Show Me Your Mic is a pretty darn good show on the goodstuff.fm network hosted by Chris Enns, uh, and it's all about podcasting. He does a really great interview style. The show goes out live, so if you're interested in listening live, it's going to be a really weird experience for me. I've never done a live show before, um, but we'd love to have... Uh, you listen in there too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I plan to be there. It'll be fun to, uh, I don't know, talk about podcasting. I guess I, 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 uh, I have to spend so much of my time explaining what podcasting is to people. I'm really looking forward to actually having a conversation about the act of podcasting with people who know what podcasting is. Yeah, and Chris Enns is a pretty smart guy. Um, he, uh, he he knows what podcasting is at the very least, so I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. So if you're interested in that, uh, join us there. Um, now on with the rest of the episode. What did you just drink, Nate? It looked like you were drinking maple syrup or something out of a container, like Tirani syrup. No, I drank, it's a beer, but I spilled oh. on myself <laughs> like a children. You know how children spill beer all over themselves. <laughs> Welcome back to The Short Game. This is the show where we discuss short video games. The kind of games you can probably complete in an evening or a weekend. Uh, but more importantly, the kind of games that try things that larger budget titles just don't dare to try. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and of course, this week, as always, I am joined by my three co-hosts, Laura Nash. Hello. And Nathan Heininger. Uh, hello, how are you? And of course, my twin brother and bro-host, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? What's up, bro? This week, we're talking about Life is Strange. And this is going to be kind of a different episode for us. Usually on the show, we kind of do, I guess, reviews. I don't usually like to think of them that way, because I don't... I don't know why. Well, they're not reviews because we don't rate things 1 through 10. Yes, which is an absolute requirement. Yeah. Or give a number of stars. I think more importantly, like when we're making that distinction, we try to only pick good games. Yeah. Like if we were a review show, we would have games where we're just like, don't play this. Pretty much every episode ends with us saying, play this game. We certainly disagree from time to time. There have been games that haven't been a unanimous, like, this game is fantastic. But we pretty much only pick games that we hope will be good yeah and we don't do games that if we if we all start playing a game and it's not good we just skip it for the show and that's what makes this a little bit unique because we don't know yet if this game is good we know we enjoyed playing the first episode but um unlike walking dead we've only played a part of the game we don't know what's going to happen next so uh reagan's been calling this our book club and i think that's actually completely accurate um, I think that we're going to talk about this chapter. I, uh, I, I'm interested in this because I think everybody has had that situation where you've started a new TV show you were like super pumped about 
and like maybe the first episode was amazing, but there's always that doubt. Like, what's is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Like, I had that experience recently with uh, uh, that new Marvel show, uh, Shield. How is that? Oh, uh, Shield. <laughs> I was excited about it, but then it turned out to not be great. So, Season two yeah. got better and then worse. Uh, See, I'm, okay. Like on that note, I'm torn about this because you know I don't have a cable subscription. And the Walking Dead games I came to after they were entirely done, I don't, like, almost all of my media consumption is after the fact that it's been completed. You're a binger. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of shows as they come out. I do with some, but even still, it's usually a season in, and it's well-regarded, and I catch up with the season and watch them as they come out. Uh, This is really the first time in a while that I've been, like, on board with something almost immediately after it came out. I mean, I know it's... It's very recent that this game yeah, started. Same here. Uh, this game debuted at the very tail end of January or early February 2015. Um, and uh, when you're hearing this, we record maybe a week or two weeks in advance. So um, actually, when you're hearing this, episode two may already be out. But when you're hearing this, when we're, re- but when we're recording this, uh, episode one has only been out for a couple of weeks. And... Um, so we really don't know yet whether we can fully recommend this game. But it looked on the surface so much like something that would appeal to us and to the audience of the short game that we wanted to kind of get in on the ground level and talk about the game as it's coming out. And, you know, same thing for me, Nate. This is the first time that I've played an episodic game as it's been coming out. And um, I'm really excited about that experience. Um, and I'm that's why I really wanted to kind of do this book club because everything's more fun if you can talk about it and speculate about it in advance as things are happening. So this is set in high school with high school girls. And although I haven't played a ton of episodic games, I will equate this to a high school experience I had, which was reading fan fiction. Yes, I'm a huge dork, but fan fiction was the same way, except the the big risk there was that your author was going to abandon it, never finish it. Um, I'm confident that Squeenix is going to finish this game um, along with Dot Not. But the question is, they have a lot of things that they've been building up and promising, and we don't know if they're going to be paid off to the extent that we hope. Can so, we, um, having all played it and we're sitting here talking about we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. But before we get into the gameplay and get into the mechanics and get into what we experience, we all really enjoyed this, right? Like I everyone... Did. Yeah, like I had a great time playing this. I thought it was really cool. I played through the first episode twice. I had some I had some complaints about it, so I don't want to be the complainy member of the group here, but I'm in the middle. Um yeah, I I wouldn't say this game like um blew me away, but I definitely enjoyed it. So before we dive in, let's talk about just what this game looks like. What is this game? How are they marketing it? What is the what is the sales pitch on this game? That's something that I had a lot of questions about because to me, I was like, who is the audience for this game? This is a game about teenage girls, right? Sort of. Eh, yeah, I. it is a game that the main characters are teenage girls, but not being a teenage girl, I still felt uh, that it played to a lot of things that I experienced in high school. Like time travel. Like time travel. I mean, it's the main character's name is Max Caulfield, it's Catcher in the Rye 2015. Exactly. My oh my God, how school. on the nose was that? I mean, it's yeah. at an art school. So it's very, um, you know, these people have artistic pretensions and some of them are 
fulfilling them and some of them aren't. Um, and there's a lot of the, the thing that I think made it high school plus is I don't think any of us were, you know, dealing with guns, pregnancy tests, or, you know, um, you know, murder, drugs, or time travel. Okay. I'll tell you three of those. I dealt with four of the five things you just said, but I won't say which, which I won't tell you which ones, but four of the five things you just listed. Yeah, but in one day, that's a lot to, to take on. Nate, you could time travel in high school? I don't want to talk about it right now. We're talking about life is strange, okay? Let's mm-hmm. move forward. So Not story... backwards like I'm used to doing. I mean, <laughs> let's keep going. Nate is Merlin. Let's move on. <laughs> so it's definitely a game in the telltale style. And this is something that I, I thought was really... As far as I can remember, this is the first game from a company that isn't Telltale that I've seen do the Telltale style of adventure, choice-based, episodic game quite this you know close to how Telltale does things. Um, you know, it is going to be five episodes, almost exactly like most of Telltale's games, like The Walking Dead or um, The Wolf Wolf Among Us or some of the others. It has uh, the similar choice mechanic. It has similar length. Um, it's, uh, it's similar price. Like it's really clearly going for the same style of gameplay and sort of game design that Telltale has been doing with such success recently. Um, but it's a totally different company. It's a brand new company, more or less, uh, dot not, or don't, excuse me. I think it's don't (laughs) Don't, not, don't not, (laughs) don't not entertainment. They've had only one game previously, which was remember me. Did any of you guys play remember me? Mm-mm. I didn't either. It's another um, it's another game with a f- uh, female protagonist. It's got more of a science fiction world. It reminded me kind of of um, just from from the marketing materials and everything. I have not played it. It it, re- it looked like it kind of reminded me a bit of a more shooter heavy version of Mirror's Edge. I don't know, um, but it, it looked kind of good. But it got very mixed reviews, and it sort of passed me by. I never got around to playing it. Um, that was published by Capcom. This is their first game they're only their second game totally different style it's not the big triple a release it's a small episodic downloadable thing uh for windows for ps3 ps4 xbox 360 and xbox one um and it's published by square enix which i thought was a kind of a weird thing but square enix is publishing a lot of interesting games lately they published the um the tomb raider uh reboot so maybe they're kind of angling for publishing female centered games maybe i don't know Two things makes a trend. Yep, two two points make a line. Yeah, good games. I don't know. Those are those are both good games. Uh, I would say that it was kind of odd for me because that company I really heavily associate with the Final Fantasy games, mm-hmm. and uh, there was uh, there was one like Final Fantasy like uh, <laughs> the reference reference to the to the spirits within Max, oh, yeah. our, our lead character. Talks about how great she thinks that movie is. <laughs> yeah, I, that's when I started to doubt her as an artist because she said that's her fate. That the best sci-fi movie she knows. Oh my god, was the Spirits Within? Well, she's a teenager; she'll learn. Yeah, I don't know. As a teenager, I don't know how she even knows about that movie because it came and went before her time. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, you were talking about kind of game comparisons. Uh, Walking Dead, obviously. I thought this game was to me. It felt basically like Gone Home meets. The Walking Dead. I I hesitate to make that comparison because I think the only com- the only line you draw between this game and Gone Home is that they are games about young girls. I like it's, that's it. The gameplay is very different. They're both adventure games nominally, but th- like they're so different. 
I don't know, because I call Gone Home not really an adventure game. This game definitely had a ton of the adventure game mechanics, like opening doors and figuring out the right, like not puzzles, puzzles, not the right word for this, but like the right sequence in order to do things. Um, Gone Home was about like learning information about the characters from not not being told it from characters, but learning it through other means. Reading the environmental it on the wall. exploration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know, reading someone's notebook, reading a poster on the wall, take making your own conclusions because of things that you find in the environment. That to me felt exactly like Gone Home, and I'm sure you know, Vanishing of Ethan Carter's there too. Other games that are doing this, but I agree. Like tonally, yeah, it was a female protagonist. Not exactly same age, but in that same kind of mental state, same tone to some degree. But I thought a lot of the gameplay was similar. I, I don't know. I think that this game's gameplay really echoes The Walking Dead, but it makes a couple of key choices as far as the mechanics that we'll talk about in a second that really turn some of that on its head. But if you look at the marketing for this game, the thing that they say about it constantly is that it that it aims to turn choice-based adventure games on its head by giving you the option to rewind your choices. And um, that's the key sort of central thing of the game. Our, our lead character, Max, discovers she has the ability to rewind time. Uh, that's both sort of a plot element and also a key mechanic of, of playing the game. No matter what choice you make, you almost always have the opportunity to rewind and try something differently with, a, you know, with your new knowledge and see how it plays out a second time or a third or however many times you want to play through each key moment in the game. And it's not just rewind your decisions. This is where that like kind of little baby puzzle element comes in, but things that are in your hands stay with you when you go back in time or you can move forward, rewind in time and you're in your new spot, but you're back where you were. So you can kind of to the viewer teleport a little bit. Yeah. Sort of an interesting mechanic. Yeah. Which I hope will, develop even more because I, I my question is if you grab someone and go back in time do they go back in time with you that's a good question <laughs> i hope they answer that well you've got this one really real use in a puzzle in this episode which is the the paint can we'll go back and talk about some of the details of the plot in a minute and even some of the puzzles uh such as they are but um before we do that now's probably a good time for us to nominally have a spoiler break. Now, this game is all story. And episode one, uh, which is called Chrysalis, uh, only took me about three hours to complete. And then I played it through a second time and only took about two. I mean, it's very, very short. Yeah. And if you wanted to, you could probably finish this in 40 minutes if you just like boom, 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 decision, decision, decision. But so you can go ahead and play this game right now. Um, nothing is stopping you. And because everything we talk about after here should be considered pretty serious plot spoilers. And since this is such a story based game, um, I would strongly recommend playing the game before listening to the rest of our episode. If you plan on playing it, if you don't, Hey, why not just listen to our voices? We're very attractive people, even over the radio, particularly over the radio. Let's be honest. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Like more so over the radio than than not the radio. They tell me I have a face for Skype. <laughs> Audio calls. I'm not even commenting.
story starts off with our lead character, Max Caulfield, moving back to Arcadia Bay. Uh, I think the first thing we see, though, is uh, sort of a nightmare, uh, if you will. She's awakening at a lighthouse. Wind is everywhere. Uh, She's stumbling around, and just as she sees the giant tornado, or possibly hurricane, uh, I think it's a tornado. Swirling, some kind of vortex swirling towards <laughs> the town. She wakes up, or rather, she's killed by falling bits of lighthouse, and then wakes up. Yeah, and she's in her photography classroom with her hot, sexy teacher, who's talking all Alfred Hitchcock at her. Yeah, and she's sitting there at her desk with, you know, items in front of her, worrying about the nightmare. Um, and you can look at your journal. You can look at your pencil case. You can, you're just kind of thrown into suddenly the adventure game. And Max is sitting there talking about, um, you know, worrying about this nightmare, but also, um, you know, sitting in the photography class and you don't know anything about her. Um, you're just kind of immersed in this little high school experience, except with a teacher you've never had. I've never had a teacher like that before. So immediately I thought, this is a WB show. CW. Or, excuse me, me. excuse me. Oh my God, see, I'm already showing my age. You are not down with the T. This is going to be an interesting conversation. And speaking of which, this whole game is down with the teens, quote unquote. (laughs) Boy, right, the internet, man. (laughs) I mean, this whole game is a game about teenagers written by adults, and it screams that in the dialogue Mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah, guys, this game is trill. It's on fleek. It's... (laughs) (laughs) You're totally in the retro zone, Shane. Oh, yeah, they say that, don't they? <laughs> Victoria says that. And I, yeah. I actually am okay with that because I have a theory that a certain breed caliber of rich kid is out of touch with modern day poor <laughs> kids. Like, that, that's another that's They wrote another it so poorly that it came back around it on came itself. came back around into my, <laughs> my own it's... theory of keen classes. Laura, are you cereal? <laughs> am I cereal? <laughs> she gets made fun of for saying that in the show. I was willing to give them a pass on all of this because, like, teen slang is so specific and never makes any sense anyway. Like, you, you cannot write a character, like, a, a teenage character that tries to use modern slang without sounding somewhat goofy. The only time it's ever worked for me is Clueless, where they made up everything. Well, listen, Nate, I'm going to go post that to social media. Oh, yeah. All the social media. Yeah, like yeah. there were so many. So um, this is a small quibble because, frankly, what teen, what media about teens isn't kind of like this? You know, you don't get the sense that, oh, God, that line was definitely written by a 45-year-old man. But there's a lot of teen lingo in this that that I felt didn't really ring true to me. Then again, what do I know? I'm yeah, almost 30. Te- like, Yeah, it's. I thought it was fine because, like, they were trying. Mm-hmm. They were. That's all teenagers are doing is trying to sound cool. And like these were people were trying to sound cool. Like all the shows that depict teenagers almost mm-hmm. always have them talking in total, complete, perfect sentences because it's on TV and it's fine. Or like Laura said, clueless. They just make the whole thing up. So <laughs> these guys were at least trying to make to use modern like culture language to a degree. And I thought it was fine. Like, yeah. It, and, it, and it works it, for me. It, I loved Veronica yeah. Mars, for example. Yeah. Like that show, yeah. I was super passionate about it, even though it was totally dumb. And it, yeah. I, I think I felt kind of the same way about this. Um, I, mean, yeah. I mean, like Veronica Mars, 
I could see any of these characters actually being, you know, yeah. played by 30-year-olds. Like, the characters don't look 18. Yeah. And the teen language was stupid because teen language is stupid. <laughs> like it's not gonna not sound stupid yeah even it may it be does, a different kind of stupid than this but that's yeah, a very good point. even if it sounds perfect we're gonna be like oh that was silly the facebook's and stuff i like, did love it, the teen pretension though like the like name yeah, dropping because i just read a book on cartier brisson like oh man of yeah. course you would name drop like crazy because you want to make sure that everyone knows that you know who cartier brisson is yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah, that's what i'm saying like it was it was silly sometimes who's cartier brisson one of the books in her room is photographer. Just kidding. I don't know. But no, but really, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know but if did. you like name dropping of photographers, you're going to love this game, guys. <laughs> they do. Yeah. yeah. And the first scene really begins with a big chunk of name dropping because you're you're wading through a photography lecture by Mr. Hot Guy teacher, Mr. Mm-hmm. Jefferson, who's, you know, super hot. And all of the girls in his photography class are really into him. And art. I'm Jefferson Hot Guy. Yeah, if you're not at least a little attracted to Mr. Jefferson on some level, then you're just not human. I mean, I'd that, hate him. Yeah, that guy was like the perfect teacher. And of course, he starts <laughs> the conversation by, by telling everyone in class that uh, Max, our lead character here, she's got a gift. She takes a selfie with her Polaroid camera in the middle of class. and In class. She's got a gift. That girl. She knows she her stuff. She does it to prove, that she, to prove to herself that she's real. Because awaking from that weird tornado dream, she was like, that didn't feel like a dream. I should take a Polaroid picture of myself <laughs> in the middle of class to prove that I'm real. Which is not a thing you should do. No. <laughs> yeah, this this uh, it exists in kind of a weird temp- temporal limbo unrelated to the time travel because it's like everybody's got like tape decks and CDs and Polaroid cameras, but it's also clearly relatively modern. I think they're just supposed to be poor. <laughs> they're not poor. I, th- no, I honestly think those no, are just supposed not. to be poor kids. Like No, they're not poor. They're all trying to be hip. Wait, it's- at, at like... Break Knees Academy, or what was it called again? Blackwell. It's, like, it's Black- Blackwell. Thank you. What Hogwarts. it is, okay, it's 2013. They say that. It's, so what it is, is it's all like, there's a whole thing with, with Max where she's like, oh, analog is the way to go. So she carries a Polaroid camera because <laughs> analog stuff. Yeah, and they're trading USB flash drives back and forth like no one's ever heard of BitTorrent. Like, well, they BitTorrent save it to the flash drive and then hand it off physically. Right. Yeah. Like, one kid has a flash drive that they have to pass between all of them. Like, no, come on. It's 2013. (laughs) Y'all had flash drives. Yeah. But I think that whole, like, flash drive or um, Polaroid analog, it was just, like, kids trying to be cool by having, Mm -hmm. like, Hey, guys, this is adults writing about kids. You know, it's it's all forgivable, though. Well, no, I mean, that's actually a thing. Like, the... The hipster authenticity is a thing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I had like cool. three friends in high school who only listened to tape decks, and it was stupid because there was no reason to still listen to to tapes. Audio quality corner. <laughs> <laughs> so we sit through this lecture by Mr. Jefferson, and and it introduces some of the key characters, including uh, Kate, the Christian girl in the class, who's clearly depressed about something, and people throw a mean note at her, saying something like, "Kate." We really enjoyed your porn video. So there's clearly something going on there that we haven't ex- haven't delved into yet. Drama. And uh and and Victoria, who is the mean girl of the class. I really liked Victoria. I thought she was great. I mean, she's pretty two-dimensionally mean. She's kind of a cartoon, but 
So your type. What's- <laughs> Excuse me. She's, she's star. She's starred in Freedom Planet. It was. Shush. I mean, she yeah. leads the if Vortex you... Club, which is the top click. She leads the top click of being girls at the school, and she also has the hots for Mr. Jefferson. And so she just shows up, Max, in class. Yep. All Things the time, are going to be happening talking here. Talking about daguerreotypes and getting all sexy with knowledge. If you think of the main character from Mean Girls. Uh, I can't remember her name, but it is like the same character. Oh, yeah. yeah. With short hair. Yeah. Yeah, with short hair. Yeah, and like a, a better wardrobe. She's got really cute cardigans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guys, this cardigan, cardigan is cashmere. <laughs> uh, we sit through all of that, and then the huge inciting incident that goes down at the end of all this is Max uh, leaves class Um Walks out into the hallway. By the way, the hallway sequence on the way to the bathroom, Max wants to splash some water on her face after this horrible dream she had in the middle of class. The walk to the bathroom was like my favorite part of the game. Yeah. You saw all of these classmates. It's a really interesting, diverse school. Basically, you're walking down a high school hallway, but every single person is having a conversation and you can walk up to them and, and look at them and Max will give a little bit of, you know, inner monologue about them. And it I've never seen a scene in a game that encapsulated a like high school better than this. Everybody's active and doing something. What was perfect about it, and at least what hit me, like rang so true to me, is that she walks out of the class and she puts on her headphones. Mm -hmm. And so there's, it's kind of like an indie folk song that's playing over top of it, kind of cheesy, but it works really well. And like for me personally, I honestly, that's how I spent most of my time in high school is I'd get out of class and I'd put my headphones on and I'd walk down the hall and, and just listen to music. And so, yeah, it's been done in TV shows. It's been done in movies. That's not a new thing. But to actually play it in a game, it felt great. Yeah. To all of you American girls, it's sad to Imagine a world without you American girls, I'd like to Be part of the world around you Yeah, they, they did a great job with the music on this. Uh, it really enhanced the sort of... They were clearly going for a kind of a indie movie, you know, this little bit hipster aesthetic with it, and they pulled, they picked really good music. The song that you're talking about there was... Um, to All of You by Sid Matters. And I'm going to drop that into the episode here. It, it was a really neat song. And actually, I loved all of the music in this episode. I hope they keep that up. Yeah, there's actually a weird meditative quality I wasn't expecting in this game where there's times where you can jump out of the storyline and just relax. She's having a terrible, terrible, terrible day. And there's times where you can opt out to just sit, listen to music and relax for a second. and Or take a second and read your journal. Read your journal, sit on a swing, lay on your bed, play your guitar. There's there's times where you can opt out of the um, urgency of the story, and the time rewind helps with that too. You could sit and relax because you know you can always go back. Yeah. So she gets through this hallway and into the bathroom, and she's notices a little butterfly and starts trying to take a you know Polaroid photo of it, and and then uh, in walks this guy into the women's bathroom and he's like psyching himself up in front of the mirror and then in walks a chick with bright blue blue hair and they start arguing about something uh something about drugs something about money etc and then 
this guy in the fancy jacket shoots the blue-haired chick. Yeah, it should be noted the guy is, she's like, it doesn't matter how much money you have. He's like, you don't know what kind of power I have. I'm Nathan Prescott. I run this city. And, and she's like, no, I don't care. And then she gets shot in the stomach. It's, it's super dramatic. Well, high school Capone. Yeah, Nathan is probably the worst character in the game so far. And I have hope that in the four episodes still to come, they're going to improve Nathan, make him a little more three-dimensional. I'm interested in what's going on with Nathan. But so far, he is a page ripped directly out of the psychotic high school boy playbook. He is, mm -hmm. like, he is as two-dimensional as you can possibly get. I mean, you know, he shoots this girl, and, like, he says, oh, you know, this is a crappy day and, and walks out like not a moment of remorse or freaked outedness or anything. He is a hundred percent psycho. And so far there's not a whole lot to depth to him or, or anything really interesting other than the fact that he is a ticking time bomb. This girl who we later find out is a pretty important character, Chloe. Um, the blue haired girl who's in the restroom gets shot in the chest or stomach or something. And, uh, Max is so freaked out that she immediately dashes out and kind of holds out her hand and suddenly we get this weird visual effect and suddenly Max is back in her class uh, from before. She's back at the beginning of the lecture with Mr. Jefferson and she realizes that she's just somehow rewound time. And from this moment on in the game, you can 100% rewind time whenever you want. Um, you can uh, roll back the clock at any moment. Almost. Yeah, almost. <laughs> And up to a point, you can't like trip, hold the, your finger down on the button and rewind to the beginning of the game. They, right. There are little baby checkpoints. Yeah, you can rewind that. within the current scene, interaction, yeah. conversation, usually. And there are a few minor exceptions to that. But um, generally, Max can now rewind time more or less whenever she wants, more or less however far she wants. Um, she experiments with it a little bit and, you know, she get some answers right in a little pop quiz of Mr. Jefferson's that she didn't get right before. And she has a slightly better interaction with Victoria and Kate in the room than she did before. Yeah. And my favorite thing was that you could use time rewinds for very mundane things. Like a girl says, you don't even know your name. You don't even know my name. And you guess wrong. You can rewind time and get her name right. So you're not an asshole. Yeah, that's how I would use it. Or you can just let people think you're an asshole. Or you can just let it sit. I mean, a lot of times it's very mundane things that she's trying to get right. Just the daily horrors of high school, fixing those. So you don't seem like a social outcast. It's also used for bigger puzzle solving, bigger saving the world type things. But a lot of the optional things are to see two choices you could have made or to be better at talking to people. The choice mechanic and the time rewind mechanic are kind of two halves of the same coin. And um, maybe this is time for, Game Mechanic Corner. I guys, I knew this corner would be back. It's Game Mechanic Corner. All right, I did the theme song. Thank you, Shane. Thank you. <laughs> so I missed, I missed the episode where Game Mechanic Corner came out, and I did listen to that episode, and I had no idea that it was going to be a recurring thing. Is this, <laughs> is this a, is this? I don't a thing think now? we did either. We're still <laughs> testing it. We're waiting for the focus groups to get back to us, but for now, we're going to be continuing with. I'm not a trained monkey. I don't just sing Sorry. for you and you command me to. Yes, you do. You just wit. <laughs> it's Game Mechanic Corner. Thank you, Shane. All right. 
you're you're really gonna drag my corner into the ground. I decide it's my corner. Um, by the way, Shane, I want you to know that if you don't do it, I can just I can just edit it in, and you're gonna sing whenever I tell you to sing because I'm this doing is, the editing. This might be your your podcast, but this is my corner, and I will I will sing about my corner whenever I want to sing. <laughs> All right. Well, so here here's my central thing about this game. I mean, this is the the rewind mechanic is clearly the one thing that uh, Don't Nod is adding to the Telltale playbook here. As far as I can tell, everything here is by the rules of Telltale's game mechanics. Everything is, they're looking at games like The Walking Dead and The Wolf Among Us and other later Telltale games, and they are doing that. But their one big addition to this is a rewind mechanic. And I like it. And I hate it. Like, I... I love that you can see both how the dialogue would play out if you made one choice versus another. Sometimes you've got several choices. You've got to really, uh, and you really want to kind of think about these choices. You don't want to make them in a snap and you want to be able to rewind back and see how the dialogue or other you know effects of your choices are going to play out. Um, but in a sense, I also kind of hate that because one of the things I really loved about, for example, The Walking Dead is that they give you a lot of choices to make and you have to make them very quickly and you can't take them back. And because of that, you really feel like those are my choices. You don't sit there agonizing about whether to kill, whether to uh, whether to save Doug or Carly, I think was her name. Carly. Yep. You know, in the first act of The Walking Dead, you don't spend an hour agonizing about which of those people to save. You just do it and you move on. Um, and in this game, almost every major choice, you almost invariably watch it through one time and you think, well, what would I have done if things went a little differently? You rewind back and do it the other way. And then maybe you second guess yourself again and think, no, no I think I like the first time better and play it through again. And at the end of each time you make a big choice, Max has a little inner monologue where she says, man, that didn't go well. No matter what, like basically every choice you make, Max is like, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, Max is not having a good day. So we can just assume that every decision ends poorly one way or another for Max. Yeah, this actually addressed two things that um, point and clicks. I, I, I always am bothered in video games. Um, it happened in the Swapper. It happens in every game where there's a voice that's yelling like, oh, this is super urgent. You got to get there fast. And you know damn well that nothing's going to happen until you get the three things on the fetch quest to go. Like, the nothing is going to actually be... You feel a sense of urgency, but it's false. This undercuts that completely because you can rewind time, so it doesn't matter how long you spent wandering around, you know, looking at things in the room while people are there. Um, that's going to just get wiped away. Yeah. So it it undercuts but explains away that. And, and the other thing... It, some of the agonizing I was okay with because it brought on those high school feels where things do feel like momentous decisions and you can see both sides and you have to weigh them more. I, I feel like decisions became more practical as I got older. Um, it did help get a little more angst being able to see both sides. Yeah, I actually thought that this system added more weight to the decision making. Because like you said with Walking Dead, it is, they are trying to do, it's a survival situation. You make your decisions, you go and you live with them. There's nothing you can do to change it. But with this game, 
you make a tough decision and then you have the opportunity to see how it goes the other way. And now you actually know the outcome for both, but you don't know the long-term effects. And they do that thing just like in the Telltale games where after you make a, a particularly big decision, it'll say up in the top left corner, this decision has consequences. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do it for every decision you make. It just does it for the big one. So you finish it, you make your decision, it says this decision has consequences. So you go, oh crap. Well, I have to really think about this one. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the telltale, you're just like, boom, that's what I did. I guess that's what I'm going with. Doesn't matter now. Move forward. This one, I sat there going back and forth. I didn't rewatch them over and over and over, but once I knew both sides, I sat and really thought about it. And I thought that they actually had more weight because of that. Yeah, there's no urgency, but there's weight. This yeah. reminds me of something that we saw on uh, in that... Um, well, Laura, you put together that great storify of the live tweets uh, from the developer of 80 Days at GDC. Nice plug. And I think she said something along the lines of, um, of like, like the part of the job of the writer being to to convince the player to make suboptimal decisions, to tempt them, mm-hmm. to tempt them into making suboptimal like choices. And that's something I saw in this. You know, like there's there's a situation without getting too far ahead of where we're discussing in the plot, where you see uh, the security guard bullying one of the students and you can take, you can take a picture and like hang out or you can intervene and try and protect the girl. And like, I thought the writing there really was good at convincing me to try and intervene and save this person who seems like they're being bullied. But later on, you know, you, you might start to realize that might not have been the most optimal decision for like all keeping all your all, all your all your choices later you know or, or yeah. being able to have the great outcome later on that's the thing we don't know what's the optimal decision yeah and so just like with uh we, we keep bringing up walking dead but like just with the way you play uh what's his name curtis in the walking dead you almost mm-hmm. decide how you're gonna play him and you alter your decisions around that like for me i tried to play max eh, i tried to play as if i was there you know i tried to answer the things like what would i most likely do in these situations but you can also play it like you know what no i'm gonna be hardline i'm always gonna tell the truth or i'm gonna try to stay back or i'm always gonna stick up for the little guy like you have these options all throughout the game and you just don't know what it's going to do. And we really don't know what it's going to do because we only have this first episode. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting the rest of the game, you know, getting the next episode. Because so far, we don't really see a lot of the big effects of our choices. Um, I kind of wish there were more, you know, something like uh, The Walking Dead. Most of the choices that you make in the first act don't really pay off until the second act. And I think the same is true here. Um, So we'll really start seeing the effects of our choices actually come to pass in the later acts. Or at least I think we will if this game designer is doing their job. Um, They make mention, but there's been no repercussions for sure yet. Like some of the stuff with the security guard definitely comes back on you if you've made certain decisions. But nothing dramatic, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm definitely not playing this game, quote, to win. I'm playing the game thinking through of the, you know, in my mind, if I could rewind time or, you know, if I was a character that could rewind time, I would try to be a better person by doing it. 
that Spider-Man type thing. Like, hmm. I would think that I should be a better person because I rewind time. I would just so win I'm the trying lottery. To, I mean, yeah. I would probably be an ass. But, like, if there's an occasion to be better, I would try to do that. If I left stuff on the floor, I would clear the evidence. That kind <laughs> of play. Like, of course, I would take the benefits of rewinding time anytime there's a benefit. So, Laurie, you, you were, you were just saying, like, you're playing this game as though you want to be better, Nate, you're playing it like, oh, I want to, I want to play this like it's me, you know, what kind of choices would I have made? Um, I, I wanted to kind of explore this game in the same way of like, uh, as though it was Slaughterhouse-Five or, um, or Dune, you know, like what, what is it like to have like perfect ability to, you know, what is it like to experience time as a flat circle? To optimize. <laughs> okay. And I don't, that's that's something that I thought I might get out of this game. And I, I think that's a long shot that that angle is really going to pay off. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> well, so like the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's, it's not psychopath, but it's like, what is the, like the ideal, like the ideal way to play it that ends in the most ultimate gain for your player? Is that what no, you're that's saying? No, that's that's it. Like, I mean, I like think Max Min, I think yeah. when people yeah. explore this concept in fiction that I've that I've liked in the past, it is a little bit about optimizing and finding out what yeah. the perfect path through through life is. Yeah, but with this game, it's a it's an 18 year old girl who has like friend problems and and relation not relationship problems, but kind of relationship problems, and also she saw a girl get murdered, so she's got a lot on her plate right now to to like. You know, maybe Max Caulfield in two years from now, if she still has the power, will be able to uh, like expand into a global domination. <laughs> but right now, she's got to just like this you know. year, Arcadia Bay. Next yeah. year, the world, the Harkonnens. No, yeah, um, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. That's just what I was. That 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 side of it interested me. She's no Muad'Dib, but she's definitely um, she's definitely making people like her better. I love I like teen girls and all that, but I'm more into I'm more into the time travel aspect and they didn't really pay that off. Yeah. Can we get a soundbite of just I like, I like teen, teen girls? girls. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think they are interesting as the focus of a narrative i how can i say this in a way that doesn't make me sound like a total creep no they really are like yeah. there's so much drama yeah why yeah. aren't there more games about teenage girls they're like there's so many movies about teenage girls there's so many books about teenage girls it's because we we're already talking about this it's so hard to truly write for guys i mean it the the mind of a the mind of a teenage girl is utter insanity, and so <laughs> you know, it's hard. They're to, hard to write for men. That's it, it. I would not say it's hard to write. Like there's an entire genre. No, of, I know. I'm like young that, adult fiction that many adult women are reading, which is cool in its own right. Yeah. But there's so many like glimpses into the teenage girl yeah. minds. It's just not in video games because those people aren't creating video games that much because they're being made you know? by dudes. Exactly, and, and to take to take joking out of it, like. That's what's interesting about this, and that's what was interesting about things like Gone Home. It, it it is a new perspective in like these storytelling games. We haven't seen much video games about teenage girls, and that's a lot of what this is about. We've seen, We've seen endless video games about teenage boys, whether yeah. they're whether they're trying to save a girl or fly a robot or shoot a bunch of dudes from the Middle East, like. 
all video games are about teenage boys. This is so much more interesting to me. It's really nice to have a game that's not the hero's journey. It's Yeah. It's we don't know that yet, though, because she is, be. all, she is also flash-forwarding to a tornado that is destroying Arcadia Bay. So she, I think you can save the world without doing the hero's journey, and I think that's what you're heading to That's here. true. I hate yeah. to break it to you all, but episode four, she gets a giant robot, and... <laughs> but that'd be cool, still too. still get a giant robot. Yeah. <laughs> giant robots for all. Indeed. So I don't want us to get too mired in just talking about the beats of the plot. There's a really neat plot, but frankly, the first episode is just a single day. And from what I'm seeing, I'm thinking that what we're seeing in this game is each episode is going to be roughly one day of Max's life as she approaches the impending doom of this tornado hitting the town. Um, but we uh, we stop the murder. Uh, we go to meet Warren, our friend. Warren's an interesting character but we haven't gotten to see much of him yet he's like this nice boy that's all we really know about him so far he's a nice guy maybe he's a, cool guy. a love interest but not for her like he might be into her yeah he, he definitely has a crush on her i mean there was that one moment in the parking lot where like she gives <laughs> he greets her by like going for a hug and she kind of like says hey like it was a very awkward teenage moment i felt for the guy he invites her to go to a drive-in like he's clearly really interested in her and so far, we can't tell if she's interested in him. I have a theory yeah. about that. I think it's interesting that, that we're getting this love interest, but we've also got a girl best friend who is at least strongly implied that she's, you know, gay. Mm-hmm. So I think we may have a choice between those two as our love interests later. That's my thought. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, it seems like Max is much more interested in hooking up Warren with one of her friends. Yeah, yeah. She's trying to get Warren to hook up with this other girl so who knows but what she talks about in. there there are multiple mentions of like boys being dreamy or something like mm-hmm. that like i definitely agree with the chloe thing like the the girl which we haven't even talked about yeah yeah girl um i think that's the big mystery chloe is they're definitely painting her as possibly gay and i think they're leaving a uh, max Mostly ambiguous. Like Passport Two, she is our uh, <laughs> she is our uh, sexual orientation Schrodinger's cat so far. In my mind, in a future five years from now, I'm a hundred and twenty pounds, and I never get hung over because I will be the picture of discipline. Never minding what state I'm in And I will be someone I admire And it's funny how I imagined That I would be that person now But it does not seem to have happened Maybe I've just forgotten how To see That I'm not exactly the person That I thought I'd be my favorite moment of the game, and I kept rewinding this because the reaction was so funny that I kept like falling over laughing, is when there's also a hint of some uh, misconduct on Hot Teacher's part with a missing girl, and Max's reaction is to tilt her head to the side and try to like coolly push her hair back, but it's kind <laughs> of mechanical, and she's like, oh, really? I knew that all along. And the facial expression and the 
the roboticism of that motion. I think it was supposed to show her inner turmoil, but Max can't cover up lies at all, and it's very endearing. Since you mentioned that, one of the things that I thought was a little bit of a miss on this game's part is that the graphics are pretty good. Um, they're going for a realistic style, although it kind of has a saturated, like, uh, you know, Polaroid camera kind of color scheme. I think um, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, yes. also, also, yeah, I was going to say that, also Unreal. Yeah, it's the Unreal both the Unreal engine. engine. It, but also like the way they handle faces, where they don't necessarily like they almost go the um, the best way I can think of it is like the Japanese anime style with the faces in order to make it like smooth and super clean and not yeah. actually try to make like real human faces, but everything else is their best attempt at real to life. Yeah, the faces are sort of expressive, um, but I think they get most of their expression Minor, out in the uh, in the voice acting, which is pretty darn good. The voice acting is pretty solid. But yeah, it, it has the standard Unreal Engine problem with faces and hair. Um, which was kind of weird for me in terms of the directing of this game, because for a game that like does everything but faces so well, they spent so much time in close-up. Mm -hmm. They did. Yeah, that is like I know. We're yeah, not e even, even the lip sync far. is kind of. Off. Yeah, that's the real. That is the only real miss to me in this game is facial expressions and the lip syncing was just poor. And this is something that Telltale does really well. Well, I so. don't know. They do it pretty well now, but the first few episodes of The Walking Dead were pretty rough in this regard too. Um, it, it's definitely a technical advancement over, for example, The Walking Dead episode one, but it definitely doesn't have the polish of, for example, the late, like, Walking Dead season two. So It's just hard in a game that relies so much on social cues, especially when you are trying to make decisions uh, based on how it might affect how someone feels, that you have to base a lot of that on the dialogue. There's a lot more telling, not showing, because you can't look at body language or dialogue as much. It becomes a little harder to read people. Yeah. Than I think it should be. It just comes off a little less than what we were hoping for, and that's yeah, it's my more only, somber. Yeah, it's yeah. it's totally decent. Like it never really took me out of it, <laughs> but totally, it is over the top. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but it's it's not great, but it's fine. The graphics are yeah, pretty. It's fine. The, it's only the faces that are ever a little bit off, yeah. and they're they're fine. They're fine. They're totally serviceable. Yeah. But yeah, I love the Unreal Engine. I think it always it, it can paint some very pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous lighting. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this game is set in Oregon, which we haven't talked about, which Oregon is gorgeous. And I think they do a good job with what outside setting you actually do get because it's mostly inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they pull in some nice teenage girl elements in the, there's a journal you can have, which is a lot of collages. When you look at objects to interact with them, they overlay them with a white sketch look. Mm -hmm. um, when you rewind time, it has a photo chemical development look. Oh, that, that looks, looks really like, cool. That's one of my favorite very effects. Cool. So there's really nice stuff there. Yeah. Like they do some like some really visually cool stuff. Like we were talking at the beginning of the game, uh, how you see a lighthouse kind of get destroyed and come down and crumble on top of you. And uh, near the end of the game, you have you see that same thing and you can actually rewind time in this situation and you can actually see the white or white house. <laughs> what does this independence say? The, the lighthouse crumble and then rewind time and watch it rebuild and then crumble and then rebuild and then crumble. And I just actually sat and watched that a couple of times because I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was actually really cool that those sequences and using the rewind mechanic there was 
I, that was pretty mm -hmm. technically impressive. So the game yeah. does a lot of technically impressive things. I think that they're sat, they're, they either didn't want to put a lot of money and time into getting the facial, like doing face animations as and uh, and you know lip syncing, or they were limited by the engine. I'm not really sure, but you know it's fine. So plot-wise, we don't see a whole lot of story happen in this day. Once we finish up at school and we, you know, uh, we return the flash drive to Warren, uh, crazy kid Nathan comes out and tries to hassle you, and uh, Chloe, the girl who was, you know, who got shot, but then we rewound it, um, comes and rescues you in her truck, and you drive away with her to her stepdad's house, and uh, we find out that uh, Max and Chloe used to be friends back when uh, Max was younger before she moved away to, um, to Seattle, and that when she moved to Seattle, they completely lost touch, and Chloe went through a whole bunch of problems during that time and has become this sort of I guess like punk skater chick kind of seems like Max could still skate a little bit too and her step her stepdad is yeah her stepdad is the main security guard at the Blackwell school and he appears to be at this point I don't know if he's the, necessarily the main protagonist but he is definitely a bad guy mm -hmm. antagonist or, yeah, sorry. Thank you. Antagonist. He's, <laughs> I think he's more of a red herring. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thought too. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like, but we'll see. There's a lot he's of other definitely things creepy going on. though. He's definitely way creepy. But um, his, uh, I think the the core mystery that we're meant to solve over the course of this is what happened to Rachel, Rachel Amber, um, who was Chloe's friend when Max left and sort of left Chloe. Should have put out a Rachel Amber alert. And that's the first thing I thought. Oh, my God. No, that's seriously the first thing I thought when I heard <laughs> oh, her name. I, I was like, well, the girl's kinda... name is Rachel Amber. Oh, I'm kind of sad I never got there. I didn't pick up on that either. No, I didn't Sheena and all. I got it. Okay, yeah. you guys are so smart. Woo! That's why we play games, to make us feel smart. So um, Rachel Amber is missing, and she was sort of uh, Chloe's friend slash maybe girlfriend um, when Max left. You know, uh, Chloe was heartbroken when Max moved away. Even more heartbroken when apparently her dad died, I guess? Or is he just gone? I'm not totally clear on it. I think he died. I think he died. I think he died. And left entirely alone with her mom. Then the new dude is there. Stepdad who's... A step douche. Step douche. He's a step douche. Um, and so she... Her only consolation was her was her close friend and maybe girlfriend, Rachel Amber, um, who's now gone missing. And that's the sort of a key mystery of the game that we're trying to solve is what happened to Rachel Amber. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of solving this mystery. I think all teens stuff is better with a mystery when you got a, it's a Veronica Mars boxcar children, Hardy boys type deal. Did the boxcar children solve mysteries? I oh, thought, yeah. Of course they did. I don't remember did. that at all. 
Did you read the second one or the third one I mean, I, I or the 153rd them, one? Like oh my God. Five. They were all mystery um, stories. They were like the first one started with them like alone in a box car and they were like being the poor children, right? and then uh welcome and- to the box cast where we uh a short a short show about the box car children and other yeah no maybe fiction. we should start a whole extra podcast i don't remember anything about them. well the second one they solved a mystery in like a fishing village and then the um, third one you know they- the correct thing you should have done if you were really in the high school girl thing was talk about nancy drew oh my god of course nancy drew well i never read nancy drew you know it's not gender neutral and i was a little boy patriarchy patriarchy is just keeping us down is nancy drew better than the boxcar children should i be having my little boys read it i mean um nancy drew is the hottest best detective on the planet and her overweight friend is funny and has a good off a good boyfriend it's pretty terrible tinder politics in that book are whack well they're all bad but but it was the the 90s or 80s or 70s but she rescues her boyfriend Every book, Perfect. pretty much, which is great. So we're Nancy Drewing it up, trying to find Rachel. We're Encyclopedia Amber. Browning it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and there was actually a, uh, a a series of children's books called Nate the Great, and he was also a detective. And they did not get nearly as popular as all the things you just mentioned. And it was probably just riding on the coattails of these other children detective things that were super all popular. children are detectives, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but Nate the Great, I had all of them. Uh, well, of course you did, you can, Nate. Yeah, I think you can understand why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Children's Literature Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping all of this, by the way. Um, Please don't. We'll have no listeners. Reagan, I, I, I just thought you really meant that this was going to be a, a, a book club podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it will be from now on. Do you want to go through the choices? Yeah, let's talk yeah. choices, so, guys. Yeah. Just like well, vote just, on what we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so wrapping up the story, let's talk about some of the choices that we were given during this episode of the game and how we chose, because I'm really interested to see sort of, I thought the first time I played through, I was trying to make what I thought of as kind of the nice guy choices. And then going through the second time, I was trying to make what I thought of as sort of the like mean girl choices. So one of the nice things about this game is, um, unlike a lot of adventure games, they tell you at the end what choices you've made and they let you see on a global standing, how you're, um, if you line up with the majority, they also let you see friend stats. I played on Xbox, so I didn't actually get to see my co-host's stats since they were on uh, PS4, but that you can go through one by one and talk about every decision in the game, big or small, um, and which side you fell on. So let's run to that list. So going through from the beginning, the first choice in the game or the first serious one, the one that it tracks, um, do you report Nathan and his gunplay in the bathroom to the principal? Yes or no? Yes. 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 He's an asshole. Yeah, that was my thought. Like, come on. That guy sucks. Yeah. And uh, and that's what I did as well. And I am, at least as of the PSN numbers, I am with 65% of the PlayStation owning public on that one. Um, 35% of people hid the truth from the president. Excuse me, principal. <laughs> You've been watching too much House of Cards. I have. Principal Obama. There's someone in the in the bathroom. Oh wait, where did you fall, Shane? Oh yeah, I, I also uh, went ahead and told the principal, even though uh, I kind of thought he was a jerk. I mean, I saw both sides, mm-hmm. but I don't yeah. think he's gonna do 
anything. He told my mom. When I went through it a second time, I kind of preferred the outcome of uh, of hiding the truth. I think it might end up being yeah. a better choice. But um, I I generally adhere to this is just a life rule, which is snitches get stitches. But <laughs> I thought in this situation, like. Come on. Like, I'm telling the principal. Yeah. Kid with a gun in school. Are we all squares where we're like, gun at school, better tell the principal. No. It, well, you kind of get called a square for telling the principal later. Um, but in context, too, like, you pull the fire alarm in the bathroom, run out of the bathroom, and the principal is right there. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, you it's look not, all sweaty. Yeah. It's not like I went. And, you know, it's not like you go to the principal the next day like, hey, Nathan had a gun. It's like, he's like, what are you doing? And that's when you're prompted with the question. And so trying to play it like I would play it myself, I totally would have been like, holy shit, this guy just pulled a gun out and I hit the fire alarm. And because Nathan Prescott is a wealthy dude and pays for half the school or his family does, the principal's like, blah, blah, blah. No, he, there's no way he did it. And it kind of backfires but i feel like most people in real life would tell the principal yeah. at that point i, I think that uh, 65 percent of the playstation owning public agrees with you <laughs> so our second big choice came at my favorite moment of the game and that's when you're trying to get back into the dorm and victoria is hanging out on the steps snarking at you and won't let you into your own dorm because she's such a bee and um we have to do this really neat little puzzle where you use some time rewinding mechanics and sabotaging a paint can and and you get Victoria totally splashed with paint. Oh, and that introduces my favorite character, the creepy groundskeeper. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm Mr. Red Herring. Samuel. <laughs> He's really I creepy. I just love you girls. Oh my god. You all take care. If you did a case study on creepy characters named Samuel, like how many are named Samuel? I feel like there's so many like groundskeepers and bad and like creepy characters that are Sam's Samuel. a loyal hobbit. Samuels are a pedophile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Samuel also speaks in the third person. He's like, Samuel is sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So after poor old Samuel accidentally uh, uh, splashes paint all over Victoria, you have a conversation with Victoria on the steps and you have the choice to either comfort Victoria and maybe make a friend or make fun of Victoria for her paint splattered, probably thousand dollar cashmere blouse and um, really, you know, get some revenge for her jerk behavior in class. And I definitely chose to comfort Victoria and apparently 69% of the PlayStation-owning public went with me on that one. I hit comfort, and Justin went, really? I wanted to see her be well-rounded. Me too. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Victoria, because she is my favorite character in this. I love, like, I don't know. I, I, I love those sort of, like, wow, she's a mean girl, but there's some depth there. I, 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 I'm a real, like, sucker for this bullshit. I don't know. I, I also... I actually also went with comfort her and my initial instinct. And this is one where what I did first was to insult her and Max really, really lays it, you know, lays it to her. She, he does, she does a good job of really making fun of Victoria. And, you know, then I started thinking like, what would I probably do in real life? And it's like, I'm probably not that mean. Like I like making fun of people, but it's normally like my friends that I make fun of, not just like, someone there you know so i ended up going with the comfort 
comforter. Yeah, it, it was an interesting option, though. And that's one of the places that I was really glad we had the rewind mechanic because you get to be mean and then take it back. And that's something yeah. that I've, you know, you always want that option. You always want to be mean. Of course you want to be mean. And then you can roll it back. Mean is fun. And I'm really interested to see where that goes, because I think Victoria is probably the most interesting character in the game so far. Um, so our next big option is that moment we were talking about earlier when the security guard is hassling Kate. So I, I think there's something really deep and disturbing going on with Kate's plotline. We get that moment in the very beginning where somebody throws a, a mean note at Kate when she's looking depressed in class. And if you go over to the note and pick it up, it says, um, Kate, we all really enjoyed your sex tape. So there's clearly something sketchy and sad going on with Kate. Um, Kate's also clearly like the religious one in class. She's got a like a cross on her neck and a bunch of Jesus posters in her room. And, and just really big hair. Really high hair. Yeah. Um, I think she looks the classiest. Closer to God. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but we see the security guard hassling Kate. And you can either take a photo of him and hopefully arm yourself with some evidence against him because he's definitely being weird. Or you can intervene and help Kate out. What did you guys do? This is one that I'm not sure of what happened because I took a picture, rewound, harassed, and then didn't, and then I moved forward. And I'm thinking because of the way the time rewind, I should be able to keep that picture, but I'm not sure since this is actually a deciding factor if I still have the blackmail on me or That's not. a really good question. Uh, I have no idea I because think... I thought I played it both ways, but the way the mechanic works and they see it as a choice, I don't know if I actually retain the picture. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. I think is far as the rules that are set up, you should be able to take a picture and step up for. That's but, what I thought. But the way they they set up the decision, it's one or the other. So that's a good question. Or maybe you have might... the photo, but it'll be blank. Like Back to the Future 2. I think that might be a misstep on their point. Like I I'd, I'd be surprised if you got to do both. And yeah. It's, it's you know, it's probably one or the other. So that I thought I was doing both, but I don't think I did. I would doubt it. So 83% of people chose to intervene and help Kate out. And I'm starting to think that that might have been the wrong choice because we need some evidence against this, you know, creepy ass security guy. But we'll see. I'm really interested to see where that one's going. So those three were the three like first big choices in the game. The fourth major choice that'll definitely have big plot implications is actually one that gives us four options. And that was something that I thought was really neat. This was my favorite choice moment in the game. Um, you're smoking some weed with, uh, actually you're not, um, yeah, Chloe, not Chloe is smoking some weed uh, up in her room. Uh, you're hanging out with her and her dad, or excuse me, stepdad, the security guy comes home. And this whole sequence played out plays out where you can either not hide and just the dad guy walks in or you can hide and com stay completely hidden. And he walks in, finds the weed, freaks out on his stepdaughter and uh, and starts giving her a really hard time. Hits her. Um, or you can uh, hide and then later come out of hiding and take the blame for the weed. 
uh, or or you can come out of hiding and blame Chloe for the weed. I didn't actually know how to do that because like when I came out of hiding, I automatically took the blame, and I was like, I don't want to take the blame for this weed, but my character just did it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I'm not a hundred percent on that one, but I'm pretty sure that you can. No, I, Although I think a lot of people didn't notice that option because that option, blaming Chloe, is only two percent of people blamed Chloe. So I didn't get that choice. Yeah, I, 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 I did, did at least that, once, and it was but not nice, it. and I rewound it. Yeah, mm. I did not figure out how to hide. I like I didn't know that that was an actually It was actually a little tricky. It took me several times to figure it out because if you open the closet, her lamp falls against some things and causes a little avalanche. So you move the lamp but first. You, yeah, you have to move the lamp and then open the closet. Yeah. And that makes sense like now cuz that's there are other puzzles where you have to move something first before you can move something else. But I just kind of took it as like, "Oh, you can't actually hide." And now I have the option of blame Chloe or blame uh, or take the blame. Mm -hmm. So I just took the blame because, you know, that's what a real friend does or something. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize you could actually hide until um, until those percentages came up at the yeah, end. Yeah, I think this one is probably the choice with the biggest repercussions in the story, or at least that's my guess. Um, because when I played it through, I chose two different ways on this. One time I stayed completely hidden and the other time we took the blame. And taking the blame means that Chloe reveals to you that she has a gun. I mean, it's like, that's a big deal. Like she stole her stepdad's gun. I feel like I might have entirely missed that. It, it might it not have happened. It may not have happened. I'm not sure. Because yeah. like I said, there's like four possible choices here. If you here. hide and come out, she thinks you're baller because you you actually had the opportunity not to reveal yourself and you did. Yeah. So I think seeing the gun is only something you get if you hide and come out. Oh, see, I just took the blame out of the gates and I did not know she had a gun. Yeah. Staying completely hidden means like I didn't want, I stayed completely hidden in my sort of good girl playthrough because I didn't want the security guard to see me smoking weed and possibly tell the teachers and end up taking away my scholarship. But in my, you know, more um, mean girl playthrough, I decided to take the blame and well, we learned something pretty important at that moment. So I, I felt like that was a, a choice with really immediate effects and an interesting payoff. I was really pleased with that one. So there are a bunch of other choices that it tracks as far as statistics. Um, and most of these I think have to do more with uh, with achievements uh, than actual like major plot differences. So there's a lot of them. I'm just gonna sort of shotgun through them real quick. Yeah, they do say after you do some of these that they will have consequences, but they're probably not major. Yeah, they, they definitely are going to have some kind of consequence, but it's really unclear how major they are gonna be. And we'll see with, with the future episodes. So there's a, uh, a kid, at school, who you can either let him draw your portrait or say no. And uh, that one seems pretty split 50-50. I didn't let him draw my portrait. I thought that was weird. Um, didn't talk to him? I didn't talk to him, yeah. Yeah, if you don't talk to him, then you don't get that option at all, and it chooses for you that you didn't let him draw you. I let him draw my portrait, and he put it on freaking Facebook. Did it embarrass you on Facebook? No. She was just like, oh, he's so talented. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, there's a science teacher who's got a petition about uh, trying to prevent them from putting up uh, cameras in the school. Uh, you can say yes and sign it, or you can say you don't have time. I chose that I didn't have time. And that was mainly because I thought, well, there was just a shooting at the school. Maybe we should have goddamn cameras. I feel like this is another one I missed. I missed I, this one too. Oh, you didn't talk to the yeah. teacher. No, I, I did find that one. Um, 
the camera the camera plan is actually something being set up by this creepy security yeah, guard. Yeah, I dad. found the camera plan. Yeah, I kind of regret mm-hmm. it afterwards because I found out that it was, you know, the the security guy was so creepy. But um, yeah, uh, the next choice was there's Alyssa, the slightly chubby sort of goth nerd who's sitting. Purple hair. Yeah. No, she doesn't have purple hair. She's like brown hair. She's sitting out oh. on the yard and reading a book about hair. vampires. And um, no, she's reading a romance novel. Well, who knows? It, about she's a vampires. Probably about vampires. Paranormal yeah. romance. Maybe. I think it's a vampire thing. Anyway, um, uh, you can either help her or not. And by helping her, it means uh, let her know that she's about to be hit in the head with a football. Um, that was a pretty low stakes choice. 82% of people decided to help her. I did the same. Um, it breaks yeah. a window. That's true. I don't know if that'll have anything any major effect on the plot, except for maybe changing Alyssa's like, disposition to you later. We'll see. Um, Kate had an insult written on her little whiteboard outside of her dorm room. You can choose to erase it or not. Like, basically all of these are, like, 50-50. People either did it or didn't, and uh, that was another one. I did it, but um, I think, like, 46% of people didn't. That may have just been because they didn't yeah. notice it was interactable. I think that mostly reflects things that people did if they found saw. them, didn't yeah. if they didn't. Yeah, a lot of them. Although the Alyssa thing, 82% of people told Alyssa not to get hit in the head with the football. Yeah, that's I, a huge one, actually. You step outside, the, it, like, yeah. happens right away. Yeah, it's away. hard to miss that one. And then she goes, hmm, I wonder if I should fix that. And that's another one that it's, yeah, it's pretty clear that there's a good guy option for that. I guess 82% of people are decent folks. Um, there's a plant you can water. I didn't notice it, so I didn't water yeah, it. I and it was 32%. I was in the 32% group of people who didn't water the plant that I didn't notice. I don't even know what happened there. I guess your plant's going to be dead. My plant is probably going to be dead. Next uh, next episode. And that will have dramatic consequences, maybe. It's the butterfly effect, guys. Yeah. I'll stare at it and play guitar. <laughs> Speaking of, was that like the illusion that they were trying to go for? Butterfly effect with all the butterfly I stuff? think so. I think so, too. I did not think about that at all. So here's a That's big funny. one that I thought was really interesting. And when I played through the first time, I I missed it completely as well as 97% of people missed it. Um, mm-hmm. You go into a dorm room of another girl on your floor, Dana, and uh, there's an option to dig through her trash and discover a positive pregnancy test. I didn't notice it the first time. Um, And I was in the 97% of people who didn't touch Dana's pregnancy test. The next time I played through it, I definitely went and rifled through her trash and picked up the pregnancy test. And she's pretty upset with you about it. That's one that you actually see in your journal. There's a collage, there's a drawing of a positive pregnancy test in the journal, but I had no idea what on earth it was referencing because I did not pick it up. That's interesting. I'm glad, I thought you were going to tell me she like scotch taped the positive pregnancy test into the pages of her journal. Ew, that would be (laughs) gross. No, it's a sketch. Not that into collage. Okay, so so uh, Victoria, we go into her dorm room at one point, and we have the option of rearranging her photos into a kind of a photo collage of a middle finger. So in addition to being mean to Victoria on the steps and making fun of her, we have the option to really rub it in with, uh, with a fuck you on her dorm room wall. Um, I didn't do that, and I was with 71% of people that didn't. And then in my Mean Girl playthrough, I did. I Leave no evidence. Right? Didn't do it. I mean, I did it, and then I undid it. Mm-hmm. There's an option to write your name or something. I'm not entirely sure what. Onto a dirty RV. I missed this option on both of my playthroughs. I didn't even notice that you could write your name or whatever. Yeah, it was, on in, the, the dirty it was RV. in the parking lot with the with with Captain USB stick. Cool. And uh, and it was just you wrote "Wash me" on a car. The RV will remember this. 
Um, we, we have an option to save a bird's life. This one really shocked me. You can't miss this one. Like, if you go into this room, you see a bird fly into the window and, like, break its neck. And only 49% of people saved the bird? I thought this was going to be another one like Alyssa, where, like, 82% of people were going to do it. I missed the room, so. Oh, it's the it's the parents' bedroom in the house. I was hanging out in the bathroom, digging through the pill cabinets, and then I was like, but I didn't go into the parents' bedroom. Okay, I don't know what this I says about me, but I went into the parents' room and did not see the bird, so I don't know. Well, you're all monsters. You let this poor bird die. But it may have interesting repercussions because if you save the bird by opening the window so it doesn't bash its head, it gets into the room and just stays there. So, I don't know. Bird in the room. Um, (laughs) There's an option to break or not break Chloe's snow globe. You do that by rifling through her stuff stuff in her bedroom. Um, I didn't break it. I did find it and then rewound and didn't break it. Um, I don't really know what repercussions the broken snow globe could possibly have. I suppose we'll see. Um, 86% of people did not break it. And uh, then you rifle through creepy David the step douches files, which he has on all of the students at your school. And you have an option whether or not to leave any evidence when you're rifling through his files. Um, I don't know why people would choose to leave evidence, but 78% of people did not leave any evidence. 22% of people did leave evidence, and I've done both, so I'll be letting you know. And uh, finally, uh, 79, excuse me, 71% of people, once they found those files, if they found them, read them. And I also did that. So um, I'm really interested to see where most of these choices go, because so many of them seem so inconsequential. Uh, They could have effects later in the game, or they might not. And I'm really interested to see what is what. Can I ask a quick question unrelated to choices? And that's, did any of you guys take advantage of the melancholy, slow jam, chill out times? Like laying on the bed, playing on the swings, playing the guitar. Did any of you guys do any of those moments? And what did you think? I did them for about three seconds each. Like I was like, oh, this doesn't do anything. Move on next. And I guess that's sort of the active, you know. FPS game. Yeah, I chilled out on the bed for a while, but I did. Uh, yeah, I I did all of those. Mm-hmm. Played the guitar, sat on the bench, played laid on the bed. I thought they were nice. They were nice. Did you guys find the uh, uh, the BFG the uh, the cannon? What? It's the it's the only weapon I think that you pick up in the first chapter. Oh, the one that insta frags the security guard. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I found that. Dude, I know when his when his body turned into a skeleton dust, yeah. I was uh I was shocked. I did not see it see it going that way. Man, the things you see when you keep that bird alive. <laughs> it's yeah, it's terrifying. The, I mean, some of the faces aren't that lifelike, but god, like the, the when the guy's head exploded, I was that was that was too real. Yeah, and thanks again Nate for like helping me when I got so Matt, I actually turned to Slack and was like, guys, I've just been wandering around the top of this lighthouse for 20 minutes. Well, I felt for you because I did the same thing. So I am not very, like, I had a real hard time with vanishing of Ethan Carter. And Gone Home, I actually did re- pretty good at because it's a very closed setting. But any of these games where it's, like, totally open and it's my job to discover, like, a real small piece in this big open world... I just don't do really well at it. I'm much, much better at something like Grim Fandango where there's just less stuff in the world. 
So I know that like if someone bothered to generate a full background, there's probably something there. Yeah. And yeah. so with these, like the Unreal Engine stuff, like everything is so good. It's hard to pick out specifically like what I'm supposed to interact with. So I did yeah. the same thing, Laura. I, I was going forwards and backwards, back in time, trying to see if maybe I was supposed to like somehow running get in. under the lighthouse yeah. collapsing. You know, that's 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 true. Like I, I had the same problem in Ethan Carter some of the time. Like when you're surrounded by uh, when you hit a certain level of of uh, realism, fidelity, that yes. Scooby Doo effect that lets you know what's important and what's not is out the window. Yeah, and it's like, oh well, you know, there's all kinds of junk on this desk, but I don't know that one piece of it is something I can pick up. Yeah, we talked about that in Machinarium. The sketch helps. Yeah, yeah. like I think it's cool that the graphics have reached a level that, to some degree, like, oh no, things look too real. Yeah. Like, I like that. I'm not complaining about it, but I just know that it's something that I'm not really good yeah, at. Yeah, and frankly, I like that some things are easy to miss. Like the pregnancy test thing, it clues you in at the end. You know, you see that achievement screen at the end and you see that 93% of people have missed that pregnancy test. And it gave me something to really look for when I went back and played a second time. Yeah. So in a sense, I kind of like that. You know, it's not going to let you miss any of the major important plot stuff. Um but it, it, there are things that you can miss if you're not really paying attention. And I think in a lot of yeah. ways, that's good. I really felt like I took my time with this game. Mm -hmm. Like I really tried to read as much as I could and, and really think about it and explore the world. And I still missed like four of those things that you listed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to the next episode. You know, I, I, I haven't played a episodic game like this as it's been coming out before, but because each episode is so short, I'm really looking forward to, you know, the next time there's one out, one of these out, finishing work and going and spending a couple of hours getting a little more of Max Caulfield's story. I'm in. Me too. And then maybe doing another episode about it. Yeah, I think probably we will. Um, as this game progresses, we're probably going to come back to it and talk about it again on the show. I'm not sure if we'll do a full episode on every uh, episode of the game. I think that's probably overdoing it a little bit. But um, we'll try to continue this book club. And if you are interested in hearing our thoughts about more and more of this game as it comes out, uh, let us know in the feedback. You can contact us at um, www.theshortgame.net. We've got a contact form there. Or, of course, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, the show is at underscore short game. Or I am at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Nate, how about you? You can also find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Shane. I am at 8BitShane. And thanks again to our listeners. Uh, if you want to support the show, the very best way to do that is by leaving us a review on iTunes. Uh, if you head to our website, you can click a button there to, to go to it or just search for The Short Game on iTunes or in the Apple podcast app. Uh, it really makes a difference. Uh, that helps us a whole lot in terms of getting the show out there in front of new eyes and ears. So uh, thank you so much to our listeners and we'll hopefully join you again soon on another episode of The Short Game.